Hello, listeners. This episode features a special guest named Adam Wisniewski from Breakfast, Life, and Dinner. This is part one of our conversation. Part two will be released next week. I really enjoyed talking with Adam, and I really hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. mostly in front of house you had worked mostly in front of house in the restaurant industry for a number of decades right yeah I was uh, 17 years all told in a number of different places uh, a lot of different businesses a lot of different uh, storefronts uh, for certain businesses that I traveled around for and uh, uh, most of that all, you know, almost all of it was front of the house I spent yeah. maybe a year year and a quarter uh, being trained and working uh, in the back of the house so I'm trained as a line cook trained as a prep cook um, but you know, my cooking interests and my cooking skills have mostly come from my personal life. Okay. And for people who aren't familiar front of house, are your people like your hosts or your waiters, your managers, your bussers and back of house are the people who are cooking your food, your dishwashers, things like that. Expediters. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's, so that's exactly right. Yeah. And, um, my, my primary experience of working in the food industry has been, I have front of house, I've done hostessing, and we've worked in the fast food industry, but also back of, back of house doing catering. I've never worked back oh, okay. of house in a restaurant, so, but I have done catering gigs as a prep cook, um, not a chef by any stretch right. of the imagination. I am a home right. cook, so. And one of the things that when we were initially talking about doing this that really interested me was your approach to utilizing everything, every part of the ingredient, not wasting food. And that is really important to me, you know, just for both like a sustainability perspective and also just from a budgetary perspective. We right. don't want waste. That's what caught my eye when you were posting about your podcast is your emphasis on using up what's in the kitchen uh, and using it all up. And I thought, you know, we've got to talk because that's, you know, uh, with that interest for both of us, um, that's what I really like to teach my clients, teach my students is um, is to, because my tagline is confidence in the kitchen. So what I try to do is teach people to, you know, have a number of recipes in mind, uh, for each ingredient. And yep. then if you see two ingredients that go together in one of those recipes, um, you're familiar with your ingredients, you're familiar with your recipes, you're confident in the techniques, and you can just grab those dusty cans out of the cupboard and use them up. Yep. And once you have that confidence and you get that familiarity with your base set of recipes, then you can start to build on that and add, you know, different ingredients, you know, and try and just have more variety as well. You know, that's kind of like I have my base things and then I tweak them each time I do them. So, right. Yeah. right. And I joke all the time. I know plenty of great cooks, bless their hearts, who if the recipe says yellow onions and they have a white onion in the fridge, they're off to the store to buy a white onion. And I want them to know their onions well enough that they can say white and yellow, pretty interchangeable. Yep. Red's got a little bit different, you know, so, you know, and, and know when they can change things out and when they should, you know, run off to the store to get specific ingredients. Yeah. But mostly I figure, you know, if you've got shallots, the white parts of the green onions, red onions, white onions, yellow onions, I mean, all of those can be used in some way very similarly. 
Yeah. And that's kind of how I, I approach things. I'm always forgetting what I have in my pantry and what I have right. in my fridge. And I'll think that I'll have something, you know, I'll think like, oh, I do have a half of a white onion stored somewhere in my fridge. And then I find, no, I don't, but I did buy bulk of yellow onions. So I can absolutely use that. Um, right. yeah. Onions are a great example of like something that's quite interchangeable and yes. something that, you know, you should always probably have on hand as well. But um, right. So yeah, onions are basics. You got you know, um, and I have, uh, I actually have two clients right now that uh, don't eat uh, any onions beyond green onions and they prefer the, you know, green parts of the, instead of the white parts. So, uh, you know, people get very set in their ways. And if that's, if you're trying to get, if you're trying to aim for a specific request or requirement or preference, um, that's one thing. But if you, you know, if you're trying to make dinner on a Thursday night, and you're in a hurry and you've got some dusty cans, well then that's, you know, that's kind of where you and I had this meeting. You know, when I, when I started talking to you, uh, I thought, you know, here's a, here's a like-minded person who wants to, and one of my phrases is keep the kitchen moving, right? Mm -hmm. Just uh, uh, looking in the, in the cupboard, in the freezer, in the fridge and making sure, you know, you know, that avocado is in the 10 minute window when it's, you know, not, not underdone, not overdone, and, but it's ripe right now. So obviously we're starting with avocado to have for dinner. What else are we going to put in there? Yeah, I actually have about five avocados in my, in my fruit bowl right now. And I haven't checked their ripeness in a couple of days. Mm. I probably should, but uh, we love avocados. Right. So. I, keep them, I keep them in my, so in my work area, uh, I have this little bowl right in front of my work area. And that's where the avocados and other things, a couple other things go. But I'm always, you know, in the middle of my work day, uh, you know, doing my own work at, in my own kitchen, I'm always touching the avocados to see, okay, is anybody going to be, you know, or maybe it's breakfast tomorrow, or maybe it's, and so I, I try to let the season steer me, or the local food that I bought steer me, or, you know, what is, what is the next thing that needs to get used up? I, people say all the time, they want to eat local, and I say, there's nothing more local than your own fridge. Yeah. Right. That's really true. So, right. So, and, and we, you know, we waste a lot of food. The, uh, as I have read post-consumer uh, food waste, that means after you have purchased it and it's sitting in your fridge, we throw away about 40% sometimes of the food we eat. And if you think, you know, if I'm paying for that food, I want to use it up. So not only do I want to not throw it away, but if I'm going to go spend eight bucks on a bunch of carrots at the farmer's market, I'm going to use the tips of the carrots to make stock. I'm going to use the greens to make a pesto. I'm not going to um, peel them because why would I waste that good fibrous outer yeah. cover? You know, so I'm going to find some way uh, to use every part of it and to make sure that I don't, you know, three weeks later, the carrots aren't sadly sitting in the uh, bottom of the fridge with the greens turning brown. So. Yeah. I do struggle with using up my leftovers sometimes, especially like, you know, if I've tried a dish out and it just doesn't work for us. Mm. Um, like we, I made, I've been challenging myself to make some recipes out of some cookbooks I haven't used before or haven't used in a while. And I had this one that's a 1981 German, German cookbook. Um, and I made these lentils with bacon and they were, they called for three tablespoons of sugar. Mm. And oh, it was it was it was a chore to kind of get through. Um, so they're almost candied. It was not pleasant. 
Oh, I don't know. I just don't feel like sugar should be with lentils. And so we, we, sometimes that does happen where, you know, we come, we make a dish and it just doesn't work for us. And, uh, it's a chore to get through. And for me, and I'm trying to get better about, you know, just sucking it up and eating it, even if I don't like it that much. I, I call it. So sometimes I'm using up leftovers and I throw a bunch of stuff together and I think to myself, well, you've made gruel. Yeah. And now you've got to eat it. Um, but uh, in that case, uh, and I'll tell you as a professional cook, um, and, you know, out there on my own, uh, working in somebody else's kitchen. And I'm, you know, I, I joke that 30% of my time is spent thinking, how am I going to fix this? Um, because I have, you know, I use char as a flavor, but now this is crossed over from charred to burnt, you know? And so I'm like, all right, so what else do I have in my bag that I can substitute or, you know, can I correct, or mm-hmm. is it, you know, can I call it blackened, whatever it is and charge extra? Uh, I mean, so, you know, it's just, um, there's a lot of techniques beyond. So I would take sugared bacon lentils and, you know, find some way to, uh, bring it back along the savory side, like, you know, uh, a favorite hot sauce or add some salsa or, you know, um, uh, potatoes absorb salt. I would try to, well, I wonder if they absorb the sugar, but yeah, you would, you would take some savory aspect and try to, you know, bring that dish back. Or um, one of my favorite tricks is, uh, you know, I'm an omnivore. So um, I throw a couple of sausages mm. and some cheese into anything and, you know, boom, you've got to, you know, because sausage is really good. So, you know, um, a a couple of sausages into a sweet dish like that uh, might bring it back into the savory world uh, and and rescue it. But yeah, I'm there a lot of the times. I call it layered cooking, where you start off with a single recipe and then you split it up into three and you eat one of them is the original, put broccoli in one and sausage in another, and you've got three different dishes over three different days. Um, so, you know, you don't have to eat the same thing every day, Yeah. Uh, even when you make gruel. Yeah. And that's the beauty of meal planning too. When you sit down, you're like, okay, you know, if I'm buying an entire head of cauliflower, that's going to be too much for most recipes uh, with the size of cauliflower these days, especially if you're right. buying it at the supermarket um, and you're buying conventional cauliflower, it's going to be quite large. Yes. Okay, so how can I use that cauliflower across three different dishes? You know, you know, or with not making it seem repetitive and boring, right? So true. And cauliflower especially is very versatile. And I'm going to make this even worse because when you buy the cauliflower, um, I will tell you that because a lot of people cut the core out of Mm -hmm. the cauliflower, but the core and the leaves all entirely edible. Yeah. And so when you look at the cauliflower and you think to yourself, I don't know how I'm going to get through this with all these florets. Well, now you got to get through it, eating the core and the the leaves as well. Yeah. Um, So that's a great point. Yeah. And even to to that point that you made, uh, even opening as a single person, you open a can of garbanzo beans, chickpeas, and you're like, okay, that's three and a half servings of garbanzo beans. Now I've got to come up with some way to eat in the course of the next three or four days, five days. I've got to come up with two or three or four dishes to help me get through. And so, you know, I tell people, well, take a handful of the beans and make them into, you know, dinner with a curry 
and then take half the can and make hummus and then take the last half and smash it up and then blend it into um, a cream sauce like an Alfredo. So you've got a protein based. So now you've got, you know, Alfredo pasta, you've got uh, hummus to eat on bread and you've got a handful of it in a curry and you've made three very different dishes out of that one item and you can carry yourself through the week uh, even when you've got a big cauliflower head or you've got a can of beans or you know whatever it is. Yeah and that with those chickpeas too you can make a dessert out of that because you can drain the, the the bean juice the aquafaba and you can make yourself more. yes I've never done yes. it before but we're we're big chickpea eaters so because I'm always trying to get us to eat less meat. Yes. Uh, just because it's just not particularly sustainable and my kids don't particularly like meat that much. So um, I love chickpeas. So I use them in a lot of different things. My most recent one that I did was a chickpea banyat, or I don't know how that pronounce, but like it's like a pressed sandwich with chickpeas. Um, oh. So mixed with like olive oil and lemon and capers. It's very good. So, so you I've, crush up the beans? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just with yeah. a fork, you smash them up. Yeah. And then that's like, that's like the meat of the sandwich. And then you put yeah. whatever else you want on there, olives, cheese, hard boiled eggs, maybe some greens. And, you know, and you nice. switch it down for like a, an hour or two. And it's really good. I, I've so almost it. like a panini. Yeah. Yeah. So, but just not, it's cold. So, oh, okay. I bet you could make it hot though. But you, I, I, I mean, tell you, that sounds really good. Put a little cheese in there with the, yeah. uh, with the garbanzos. And you said olives, big olive yeah. fan. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I love anything that's like briny, except for actual pickles. <laughs> oh. but like I do love olives, capers, everything like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we have, do a lot of canned food. So, yeah. Well, one of my use it up techniques is I have at least one, maybe two pickling projects in my fridge at any one time, plus the olives, plus I do pickles, um, you know, sometimes capers. But if you take a brine and you put it into a jar and then say you've got a half a cucumber that you don't know what to do with, well, you chop it up into spears, you put it in the brine. You got an onion, half an onion, chop that up, put it in the yeah. brine. Carrots, radishes, cauliflower, um, some of these items you steam first and then put them into the brine. And two weeks later, you pull them out for a side dish. Um, I make a lot of kimchi style um, cabbage because cabbage like cauliflower and uh, is huge, you know, in a lot yeah. of cases. And it's not as versatile as a cauliflower. You can't blend it up into a cream sauce like you can a cauliflower. So cabbage, mm -hmm. you're kind of stuck with your coleslaws and your Germanic mustard sauce and your, you know, kimchi. Uh, I do use it in some Asian soups. So, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, stir fry options there. Yeah. I do dumplings. Dumplings are oh. a really great way to utilize random vegetables. Like I've made dumplings like with kale. I've made dumplings with cabbage and broccoli, carrots, all kinds of different vegetables just thrown in there with a little bit of ground pork and you're going to get a nice filling. It's going to be good nice. for the most part. Yeah. So I love, I love making, I love making dumplings. I don't make my own dumpling oh. stands. I always just buy my own wrap. I buy the wrappers. So that's cool. I, uh, yeah. I don't go so far as you, I keep um, various dumplings, Asian dumplings in the freezer. Yeah. And so, um, so I might, instead of making the dumplings myself, I might take the excess vegetables and just stir fry the vegetables mm. and then serve the dumplings on top of the stir fry. Yeah. So you've got a meat stuffed dumpling. You've got your pasta, you've got your meat. You stir fry up whatever vegetable you think to yourself, 
I don't know what to do with this, but you throw that into a bowl and boom, you've got dinner. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. You can throw an or, or just throw anything on top of like rice. That's yeah. You know, really great yeah. way to go about <laughs> or any kind of just, you know, grain base, you know, quinoa, barley, farro, you know, having those things on hand, you know, that's automatically like you got a meal, you know, just add right. a couple of vegetables and a little bit of whatever else, heat meat and egg. You're, you're good to go. Absolutely. So. And I'm so glad you brought that up because uh, one of the things that I encourage uh, my weekly clients is I do this thing I call ancient grain of the week. And I have uh, probably 15 different grains in my stock. And so, you know, brown rice, white rice, a couple of kinds of white rice, like you said, barley, farro, uh, teff, amaranth, um, uh, you know, forbidden rice. And so all of those different grains, when, when you have a main dish, uh, if you switch up the grain, you know, or, a, you know, a box of stuffing. Uh, one of the things uh, I keep for emergencies in my uh, pantry is a box of stovetop stuffing. And I'll tell you, you've got a little bit of pork left over and a couple of random vegetables. That cornbread stuffing is just such a uh, luxurious treat. And it takes, you know, five minutes to make. So um, that's that can rescue a lot of flavors. Yeah, our emergency one is I always have a box of Jiffy corn muffin mix. There you go. Yeah, right. I always got that on hand. You know, I've always got like canned fish on hand and can of beans. You know, always. Yes. Yeah, I always got to try to get one vegetable in the freezer. So just right. in case. No, yeah. I, and that's what, uh, when I go to my clients' homes and I do this class that I call the Covered Cleaning Club. Um, one of the things that I do is I bring a list of uh, items that. Because I tell my I tell my clients and and, and students uh, a successful Thursday night dinner starts on Saturday before when you're doing your shopping. Yep. And then maybe you do some prep ahead of time on Sunday. You mentioned meal prep earlier, um, so you know uh, that you do your meal prep uh, with a long the items that take a long time to cook. You do that on Sunday to make Thursday easy, right? Yeah. So exactly. if you have if you have 60, 90 minutes on a Sunday and you can prep for that time, that's going to save you 30 minutes every day for the next four or five days. It's well worth the time and effort yeah. to do that meal prep. So when you say meal prep, tell me about your meal prep. What do you do? Oh, so I don't actually do a ton of like meal prepping. I do a lot of meal okay. planning. I kind of, am, I'm really obsessive about like choosing dinner, making dinner menus and things like that. Um, so I don't actually cool. do it. I don't do a ton of prep on the weekends. Um, I do do, I make my big meals on the weekend. So things that take are my long projects. So, um, recently I did sweet and sour pork ribs with a pineapple sauce. And this, you know, this is a multi hour project. Um, so I would never be able to do that during the week, but then I get ribs for the several days. Right. And, um, I utilized them. We later on in that week, we had cauliflower quesadillas and I added some of that rib meat to my quesadillas. So I guess it is is kind of meal prepping. Um, but I do want to try to be a little bit, do a little bit more of that on the weekends and be a little bit more mindful about how I can utilize my time a little bit better. Uh, you know, instead of trying to do, uh, you know, a lot of my cooking rushed during the week. But. And and part of my part of my backstory that you know, where I talk about not being a chef, and I say to you know people who are beginners in the cooking, you know, or busy parents who are trying to find some way to make their week easier, um, 
one of the things I say is, you know, you don't have to have copper pans and pink Himalayan salt, you know, to do this meal prep um, and to do cooking well. And so one of the things I talk about is, is even if you are not doing, I mean, because that sounds delicious, a pork uh, ribs with a pineapple sauce, that's amazing. That's fantastic. You know, and then, you know, the listeners might be, well, I'm never going to make a, I'm like, you know, that's fine. You don't have to make fancy dishes like that. You can, you can, I have sometimes in the past, uh, I I do what I call stoplight cooking, where I open a bag of frozen tortellini and I put out three containers in front of me and I put a handful of tortellini in each container. And then I open a jar of red sauce, white sauce, and pesto sauce. And then I put, you know, I've got some carrots. So in the first container goes carrots. And then the second container goes a little bit of carrots. And then the second container gets broccoli. And the third Mm -hmm. container gets a little bit of broccoli. And then you pick a third vegetable, right? And so now you've got, in the space of about 10, 15 minutes, you've got three meals prepared for the rest of the week. You know, you can take them for lunch. You can have them for dinner. But when you have that stoplight sort of thinking, you're like, all right, get me something with tomatoes get me something that's cream-based and get me something that's, you know, chimichurri or vegetable-based or pesto or, right? So even if you have the same base, you've got these very different flavors. And then once you've done that a few times, you're like, okay, I'm pretty much tired of the jarred tomato sauce. I'll make my own, okay? Well, now you've gone from 15 minutes worth of meal prep on the weekend to maybe an hour, hour and a half because you're making a sauce from scratch. But that same hour and a half is going to reproduce three, four, five meals out into the week. So, so yeah, um, I, you know, I start people where they are. Yeah. I try to say to them, you know, what is the level of one interest? You know, I hate cooking. I am not going to spend 90 minutes of my Saturday <laughs> prep. All right, well, you don't have to. You can do something in 15 minutes and still get the benefit. Well, I love to learn more. I'm going to invest Saturday in shopping at three different specialty stores. And then Sunday, I'm going to, make schnitzel and I'm going to, you know, uh, start some kimchi. And I, okay, well now we're talking about some real deep dive cooking and that's exciting. That's, that's where I start saying, okay, (laughs) now, now let's talk about the infinite number of things that we have been eating as human beings for thousands of years, all these cultures, all these different, you know, just start with eggs and just try, you know, I mean, once you have made 15, 16, 18 different dishes with eggs and you realize that you just scratched the surface, that's, I get excited about that. These are the things that keep me up at night, right? What am I going to do with all these eggs that I haven't done before? I, we love eggs. So I, I buy them at least, I buy a dozen and a half each week, at least. So, right. Yeah. Cause they're just so, they're just so useful. Like it's such a quick protein you want to, if you want to add, you can make it as a snack. So it's, I just, I, I love eggs. Yeah, I can't, get, I can't get enough of them. So I do you, do you poach eggs. How do you like your breakfast eggs? Um, I would for probably for a breakfast egg, I would probably either poach them if I'm cooking for them for myself um, or do a uh, sunny side up egg. Like for lunch today, I did sunny side up eggs with a, uh, like a soy sauce. They're five minute eggs with soy sauce and scallions. Mm. And then I had um, some rice with some, uh, Chinese cured sausages in it as well. And so I'm put the egg on top of that. So I like those. So your five minute egg, that's very jammy, as they say. The yeah. yolk is still very soft, mm-hmm. almost liquidy still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. 
Yeah, and um, I I don't like hard boiled eggs very much, uh, but I do like my soft boiled and uh, my medium boiled eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, those are good for like snacks or just for chopping up and maybe, oh, like doing like ramen eggs, you know, where you marinate oh, them. So good. Yeah. When I used to, when I actually used to have to go into an office to work, I would do, I did do meal prep on the weekends. I would make um, some type of like ground meat or like a meatball. And then I would have ramen and then I would have like different toppings to make it interesting throughout the week oh, and different yeah. sauces. So just to like kind of liven it up. So you're not eating the same ramen every single day, you know, right. like, and I would just bring it in a jar to work with me. And that was really nice. Uh, but yeah, I love eggs. <laughs> I like I love the noodle, noodles and whatever, or yeah. eggs and whatever. Um, uh, that's another dish. Uh, that I use quite regularly to use up random vegetables and mm-hmm. cheeses and things is eggs. Um, I make a strata. Oh yeah. Uh, right. So you tear up the stale bread Yep. and you put the bread in the dish and you pour the eggs and vegetables and cheese, mm-hmm. or whatever it is you like. I love mushrooms, broccoli, peppers, anything goes in there. You know, you've got some leftover cheese. You're worried about using it up, throw it in there, break up the goat cheese, use the feta, whatever it is, uh, make a strata, put it in the fridge uh, overnight to let the eggs soak into the bread and then just pop it in the, you know, you got a, some time in the morning, you put it in the oven, you're showering and, you know, getting ready for work and it's baking uh, and then boom, it's ready. So, um, or you can bake it up ahead of time and then just cut pieces and nuke them. Uh, but uh, eggs and yeah. stale bread, uh, in many, many different kinds. Con- I mean, French toast. Oh yeah. Uh, strata. Um, make an egg sandwich with uh, uh, the toast. Uh, mm-hmm. If you give me a breakfast sandwich with a little bacon and spinach and uh, egg, oh, happy as a clam. Yeah, we do. Uh, we do sheet pan egg in the hole. So you oh, know, yeah. you cook off your bacon on the sheet pan first. Then you add your your bread and your egg in the hole. And then it's just so nice because you're not having to make it one at a time on the stovetop. Uh, yes. So it's a lot more efficient uh, than cooking it on the stovetop, but yeah. And they're very easy ingredients, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so when you do, when you take a piece of toast, you tear a little hole in the middle, you drop an egg in it, you put it in the oven. That's easy, right? Yeah. Anybody can do that. Yeah. Um, and it, and once once you, you know, once you've done that a few times and you're feeling comfortable, go out and buy some puff pastry, get a little bit of smoked salmon, put an egg on top of that. And then you can serve that to the queen for brunch. And she's going to say, oh, that's quite fancy. And you're like, yeah, I'm good. You know, I'm yeah. good to do breakfast things, right? So you you build up your confidence by starting with, you know, tore some bread out of the middle of the bread and uh, put an egg in it. And the kids loved it, ate yeah. it right up, right? Oh, yeah, it's, it's one of the things that they request for dinner. <laughs> Is <laughs> that I'm, right? Yeah, so when I'm meal planning at the, you know, on the weekend and I, I get everybody, I sit everybody down. And I'm like, okay, what do you want for dinner this week? And they always just tell me egg in the hole. <laughs> That's always what they want. That and peanut butter that? with waffles. So, huh? That's good too. Oh, peanut butter with waffles. Um, you know, the 8 million things you can do with peanut butter. Um, actually, you know what? I, uh, thinking about your earlier, the sweet lentils, um, I made a green curry and I got a little carried away with the hot sauce. Cause I'm not a hot spicy guy. Um, and so to that green curry, to bring the spice level down, added a tablespoon or two of peanut butter. Oh. 
right? Nice. And so yeah. I took that coconut cream sauce and turned it into a more, and that the nut uh, butter, you could use almond butter, you could use cashew butter, whatever, but that nut butter helped tamp down my overly spicy food. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's lots of different techniques to rescue the uh, food item. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, a, that's I, I would not have thought about doing peanut butter. So that's, that's yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I guess, cause you've got like Masamon curry, which is a, you know, a very peanut forward curry. So yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah, there's lots of, yeah. yeah. And you know, your chicken satays and your, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of peanut and peanut butter uh, in that uh, culture, that cuisine. Uh, so, you know, I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to fix this? And, you know, I'm like, well, it's already got cream in it with the coconut cream mm -hmm. you know i don't want to add sugar i don't no. want to add you know i've already got enough food so i don't want to add you know double the sauce and and you know so but yeah uh, peanut butter was one of the options that uh uh i've you know gone to in the past nice i'm gonna have to remember yeah. that one I, yeah. I, I, have, I have not been particularly successful with making curries at home to my satisfaction <laughs> so right? and i'm still well, working on it what, um, what do you think is it just it's always lacking i feel like in the complexity and layers of flavor mm. um and it's always a little i guess thin i don't know there's just something always like there's just something missing and i'm not sure exactly what it is so uh my story to follow up on that would be um i have made many 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 curries for clients over the and i just started cooking um uh, for a client and so i open her second spice drawer and there are these gorgeous tins of all these different spices array so she got three tins and little beautiful scoops in them so so she's they're curry tins and she takes a little bit out of each of the wedges from the tin so she's got three different homemade curry powders and i'm thinking to myself i'm making curry for her this is just <laughs> going to be embarrassing um and so i being confident in the kitchen thought, you know what, what I make is good. It certainly may not be what she's used to, or, you know, as fresh and as high quality as what she's making, but I know what I'm doing. And so mm -hmm. I put together and she tasted it and we both agreed there was something missing. And so the second half of the story is the thing that might be missing from your home curries, if you don't use them already, fresh herbs. Mm. Um, I find that I, uh, in a lot of cultures uh, outside of the American, we don't use fresh herbs as anything more than a sprinkle of parsley on something for the visual or a little bit of fresh cilantro in a soup. Yeah. But if you are, if you're cooking in the Indian or the um, even some of the Middle Eastern uh, cuisines and certainly in the uh, South American with the chimichurri, but you're using whole bunches of cilantro to make mm -hmm. a sauce or to you know add to a curry. If you go to a pho, pho place uh, and get the soup, they put on the table for you whole handfuls of basil yeah. leaves and mm -hmm. uh, bean sprouts. And so you know you tear off great big chunks of that and throw it into the soup. And that's what I think was missing for us on that particular day. All of that to ask you the question, uh, do you use a lot of fresh herbs at home? No, no, because I just, I just, I can't use them up fast enough before they go bad, uh, is always my problem. I do grow mint, um, but it's, oh, there you go. it's, 
it's not great anymore. It went, it's flowered. So it's a little, it's a little bitter. So, um, right. but I think actually, I'm not sure if it's on the, uh, on my, on my list that I provided you, but I think I actually do have on there fresh mint and fresh dill, which are hanging fresh mint, fresh dill. in my, yeah. in my fridge right now. And I bought them for a project a couple of weeks ago, maybe not that long ago. Um, and I completely overbought. Uh, oh, I was right. making Spanakopita. And okay. I, just, I completely overbought on how much I needed. So, yeah. So this is, and this is one of the things that I teach people is, is um, uh, the idea that you overbought some, because you had a recipe in mind and you used some of the, uh, let's say the, was it the, now you didn't use, Either of those for the spanakopita. I did. I used mint and dill. Oh, the, mm -hmm. oh mint and dill. Okay, very yeah. good. So, so after you've done that, um, dill is going to be sitting there, and you're going to think to yourself, "Well, what are the recipes am I going to use this in?" And I would immediately say, you know, pickling projects, uh, dill with eggs, um, dill mixed up into what I I make a lot of deviled eggs because uh, mm -hmm. I like hard boiled eggs. Hard boiled eggs and dill, amazing. Cucumber and dill make a Greek salad. So when I look at a fresh ingredient like that, and I joke all the time with people, they buy a, a box of strawberries and then the strawberries go bad over the week or eight or 10 days. And I, I tell them, stop buying strawberries because you don't actually like strawberries. If, if you as a single person can't get through a quart of strawberries in six or seven days, you don't actually like strawberries. Yeah. Right? Because if you have a couple of strawberries for a snack in the afternoon and then put them on a piece of cake for dessert after your dinner and then have them for breakfast and yogurt the next day, it's gone yeah. in 12 hours, right? And you've had three different dishes that are not the same in any way, but you've eaten up the strawberries. So people are always asking me, well, how do I keep strawberries longer? I'm like, you, you don't. don't. Yeah. Because that's a contest with mother nature and she's going to win every single time. So yeah, because you, the, you really the, want to be using your berries as quickly yeah. as possible. Yeah. And, you know, and the same thing you're experiencing with the fresh herbs is once you get in the mindset of, um, and I, I do this, I organize my fridge where the left side of the fridge is the things that need to get used up first. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the, especially on the middle shelf, I've narrowed it. So it just fits the Tupperware and I could put eight Tupperware into that middle section mm -hmm. and the ones on the left are the ones that are going to get eaten up first. Okay. So I give myself a choice of either the one in the front or the one in the back. Well, the one in the front today is salmon and quinoa and broccoli. And the one in the back is meatloaf with spaghetti and a tomato sauce. Okay. Well, which are those two? And one of them is going to be dinner tonight. Right. And then everything just shifts over. Oh. And so, and so on the top shelf on the left side is where the fresh herbs and the random raw meats and the, you know, everything that I'm gonna um, need to use up quickly. So it's right there in my face. So, you know, if I have half an onion, it doesn't go back into the crisper on the bottom. It stays out where I can see it. And I can remind myself, you know, onions and carrots, probably, you know, you can get away with putting them in the crisper. But if it's a green onion, it goes up top left so yep. that I can see it every day, every meal until I use it because, it, you know, eat local, eat your fridge. And so that's what I do is I, is I open the fridge and I play what I call fridge Tetris, where I have these different ingredients and they're all coming at me and I have no idea how they're going to fit together. But my job is to figure out some combination of dill and eggs and noodles and, you know, pork and say, okay, 
how's that going to fit together, mm -hmm. right? Nice. So, so yeah, I, I, I challenge myself as much as possible. I would love to play these, um, you know, these games where they give you the basket, right? <laughs> On the cooking shows oh. and you open the basket and yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's Cracker Jacks and, you know, um, you know, kumquats and, you know, so there's all these crazy things and, and you got to figure out, well, well how am I going to fix this? Yeah. Yeah. No, those are always, that's a chopped is the one I think of when I think of the mystery box ingredients. There you go. But yeah. I've always wanted to do something like that, even though I'm not as like well-versed on like meat cook times and things like that in ingredients. So I don't know. Right. How, and I think I would just lose the plot if I was actually ever on a show where I had to cook in a certain amount of time. I think I would just break down. I, I work very slowly. So, right. um, and, but I, I do like to come up with unique ways to use things. And I, I have a fairly good breadth of knowledge as well regarding ingredients, right. you know, so I've been cooking for, you know, at home for a long time. So. So do you have plans for the dill? What are you going to, so instead of letting the dill brown and then eventually throw it away, what are you going to do with your dill that you overbought? <sighs> I still don't know. <laughs> um, okay. I think probably it will end up being used for um, probably doing some pickles, like some quick pickling would probably be good. Um, I would also like to do maybe some like herbed cheese rolls would probably mm. be pretty good. Um, I've got Ooh, some. That would be very good. Yeah, I've got some cheese hanging out. I always have cheese. I have an entire, almost an entire drawer dedicated to cheese. I've got a problem. My people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, cheese. But with the the mint is a little bit easier. I feel for like for me to use. I could do like a. I could make like a mint lemonade. I could use it in a dessert. Mm. Um, I could just use it as like if I make spring rolls. Um, th that's something that we make a lot because it's a great way to use. Oh, yeah. Leftovers. The, and so spring rolls. I think um, that's the uh, translucent. Yeah. Rice based. Right. Because there's always some argument about is it a fried roll, is that a spring roll or summer roll or right. So to me, the spring roll is the shrimp, fresh herbs, yeah. bean sprouts, random mm -hmm. vegetables wrapped up, dipped in a peanut butter sauce, maybe. Yep. Yeah. 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 We also do we do fruit ones <laughs> for dessert. Um, is that right? Yeah, oh, that's really, interesting. Yeah, so if you've only got like your a couple of strawberries left, which would never happen in our house, uh, right. it's a good way, and you can make it look really beautiful too. You know, by having you know, it, it's a very very pretty meal, but it's also great, especially in the summertime where it's you know hundred plus degrees out. Uh, Absolutely. So, well, let me go back to the dill then, real quick, because if the mint's easy, let's go back to the more challenging dill, because I'm just still percolating ideas. Uh, salmon. Um, uh, you could do a potato dish with dill and mustard. Mm. Um, you could do a ham uh, with dill and mustard. Yeah. Cabbage. Because um, uh, mustard and dill are, you know, uh, excellent together. Um, uh, I would do an egg salad, but I'm, I like the hard boiled better than you, I think. Um, but you could do a, you could do a soft boiled egg. Uh, with a uh, a lemon butter dill sauce, um, maybe add a touch of cream to that, uh, and then well, that sauce could go on, you know, chicken or um, uh, even a white fish. Uh, mm -hmm. You could put it on a pasta dish. So oh yeah um, yeah yeah. So so I would you know uh, when I when I start started maybe a year year and a half ago really getting to the fresh herb, 
I felt the same way. Like, you know, oh, this 43 cent bunch of parsley is pretty big. I have no idea I'm going to use all this up. And then a year and a half later, um, I'm like, I got to get two now because everything's going to get a little parsley. Um, Put a a literal handful of fresh chopped parsley into a beef stew Mm. and gives it a herbaceous uh, in that rich um, unctuous sauce of a beef stew, throw some parsley in there, uh, fresh basil, um, you know, depending on how you're making stuff. So yeah, I just, you know, these are, these are the things that I'm thinking about as I'm trying to go to sleep is what are we going to do with that dill that's in the fridge on the left side of the fridge, right? Yeah. And I mean, just like, gets me thinking like I have some falafel mix in my, in my cupboard right now, make a falafel sandwich with a cucumber dill sauce. Oh, beautiful. There yeah. you go. That's exactly. No, I don't like cucumber dill sauce. <laughs> you know what's that? I don't like cucumber dill sauce. I'm I'm oh, no. I'm such a picky eater. Um so but other people in the house would eat it. So there you go. But yeah, cucumber dill sauce. I mean, once you've got that, you you know, you've got all these summer Mediterranean, um, Middle Eastern. I mean, just having that as a base, yeah. You know, um, and that's, and that's what I find is now that I am uh, open to and aware of a lot of different cuisines and a lot of different techniques, what I find is now I have, you know, I need more dill because I need more cucumber dill sauce to go with the three things that I want to make that go with cucumber dill sauce. I mean, that would be great on a salmon with a bed of couscous and some spinach. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. So, so yeah. So well, I'm always trying to figure out how to stretch the you know, I've got a little bit of dill left. Which of my great ideas am I going to use to use up that dill? Um, and that's a much better problem to have than, oh, no, I've let the dill go brown again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Another thing I might end up actually doing with them is um, putting them in my dehydrator. No. De- yeah. For to make for ha- having dehydrated herbs. So. Uh, so you would dry it out and store it so that it yeah. doesn't go bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep, I do That's that a with, nice option to have. Yeah, I do that with a lot of things if I feel like they're getting close, but you don't want them to be already turning uh, because right. they're going to preserve not a great flavor. Uh, but I do try to use my food dehydrator, uh, you know, right. at least occasionally. I've got it there. So, And, you know, again, with the idea that, you know, you, so you've pulled off the uh, little leaves of the dill and you've put them uh, into whatever it is you're going to use, or you've dehydrated them. And now you've got the stems mm-hmm. and the thing to do with all the, you know, so put those into a pot of water and make a broth, because, oh, yeah. you know, right. And so, you know, especially when fresh herbs, if I'm paying six bucks for a couple yeah. of handfuls of basil, mm-hmm. I'm going to use all those leaves and make my pesto. But then that basil um, stem is going to go into a stock and that stock is going to help me make you know, some sort of Italian sauce. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a little dried oregano, a little garlic, the garlic skins from when I used fresh garlic. And then that broth, especially when it's cooked down a little bit, is going to have that really strong herbaceous flavor that you, you know, you can save yourself three bucks at the, well, we have our local HEB grocery store. So I say, you know, three bucks at HEB to buy a vegetable stock or use the $6 stems that you have yeah. And make your own. Now, do you keep your odds and ends uh, like in a specific like a Tupperware container or uh, in the freezer in a Ziploc? 
So. Ziploc in the freezer, yeah. So yeah. right now I can think through my freezer and I have a uh, turkey carcass. I ended up with three turkey carcasses from Thanksgiving when I did a gig. So I've used two and a half of them. I still have half of a turkey carcass. And in that same bag, as I'm working in my kitchen, I'll take the tips of carrots mm -hmm. and I'll take the heel of a celery and I'll chop up that into, instead of a big round hockey puck, I'll chop it up to expose as much surface area and then a bunch of onion skins. And so instead of, you know, you'll see on these fancy cooking shows, they'll take a whole carrot, you know, a couple of ribs of celery and an actual onion and they'll throw it in a pot. And I just wanted, why would you do that? That's all edible food. What you want to make your stocks out of is the leftovers that you would have thrown away. Save yourself and, and you're pulling every cent out of the things that you're buying, especially when you're paying for organic or local or, mm -hmm. um, you know, farmer's market you're going to want to use every single bit of yeah. that product to, to, you know, to make sure that the budget and the things that you spend, because if you spend on good food, it's going to cost you. Um, yeah. And so you want to get value. You want to get value out of every single bit of that. And so that's what I ship. Like when I pick up a, a thing of celery, I see four ingredients there. Right. So mm -hmm. I'll chop the heel off and I'll use that to make stock. I'll use the inner bits with the leaves and that'll go into a stew where you're not highlighting the celery as an ingredient. Mm -hmm. It's kind of tucked away inside. Yeah. Now you've got the celery stalks and some of them, especially on the outside, are woodsy compared mm -hmm. to the nice tender ones inside. So when people say they don't like celery, it's because they're trying to eat these woodsy bits mm -hmm. raw you know, as a, you know, a coup de thé or something, well, use the nice, soft, younger bits. I mean, the, uh, not younger, but uh, the nice, softer, less woodsy bits from the inside mm -hmm. as your star of a coup de thé plate. And then take those other bits and chop them up and saute them for chili or to go in eggs or to go with a pork dish. But you want to use each of the parts of the thing that's in front of you for a specific purpose. And once you know what you like for those specific purposes, it becomes easier and easier to say, I've got a bunch of strawberries. How am I going to use them? I've got a whole head of cauliflower. I can think of 16 things to do with this cauliflower. Which of my 16 things am I going to do? You know, instead of, oh Lord, I have a half a cauliflower left and I'm stuck, right? Stuck yeah. is bad. I don't know which of my great dishes I'm going to make is a much different and much more fun problem to have. Yeah, definitely. And something when I try to do actually when I'm shopping is I find that so much of the grocery store produce is gigantic. Mm, so yeah. I always try to actually try to find the smallest um, produce that I can uh, just because even if it's you're buying it, even if it's by like, you know, not by the pounds, even if it's just like, okay, here's an orange is this much per this week, because most of the time, those smaller pieces of produce are going to be more flavorful. And also because I don't want to be stuck with a whole bunch of stuff. Um, right. I just want like a smaller cauliflower. I don't want a huge and they, cauliflower head. Right. And they know that. And so they'll, you know, you look around and you can buy, you know, I'm going to make these priced up, but you can buy a head of cauliflower for four fifty, right? A good size. And now you've got cauliflower for six dishes for a week, you're like, okay, I'm feeling stuck. Or you can walk over to the prepared area and buy a bag of 
cauliflower florets that's a quarter of the weight mm-hmm. and one and a half times the price. Yeah. Right. Or you can go over to the locally prepared, you know, because that's the national brand. Mm-hmm. Or they've got even the little containers of pre-chopped vegetables for you, like cauliflower and broccoli together. Okay, well, that's real nice because now I don't have to waste a cauliflower and a bunch of broccoli and, you know, eat the stems and all that. So, you know, you can buy these things and it's just a question of, am I going to pay the price that they want me to pay for this little tiny amount? And now I feel better about not wasting the food and my budget has been exploded, right? So that's what I teach people is, is be confident, walk straight up to the, uh, you know, the container of cauliflower heads, grab the biggest one available and know for a fact that when that cauliflower is gone, you're going to be like, man, I wish I had more cauliflower because I have more cauliflower ideas that I didn't get to use this week. And that's how I shop. And that's how I cook is um, I know that nothing, I threw an avocado away like two weeks ago. I still think about that avocado because I never, I mean, how did I let an avocado get by me like that? That's just, that's terrible. So between the month of January and February, I think I've literally, the only food that I've thrown away is that one avocado. I'll tell you one of the craziest things I've seen lately on the Facebook is um, an older banana. You take the peel and fry it crisp and eat it like bacon. Mm. And I'm like, okay, now I got to try this because, you know, I eat a lot of bananas and I'm like, okay, the skin goes in the garbage because it's rubbery and tough. Well, you got to let it age till it's brown and soft. And then you put a little uh, maple, uh, maybe a little chili powder for flavor and you fry it and you put it on a sandwich and it gives it a little bit of crunch. So there you go. (laughs) My mind is blown. I Um, know. We eat so many bananas. So that would be, that's crazy. I got to try that. I got to look this up because yeah, that's amazing. And then you think to yourself, okay, I could, you know, I could replace bacon in my life. That's never going to happen. But I could replace a lot of the bacon in my life because I eat so many bananas. Yeah. And, and, but, you know, now I need, I need, you know, a storage room for all of the tools. And I, and I, I live in an apartment where it's mostly just shelves of stuff that I use mm-hmm. for various projects, but, you know, I'm going to need a larder and I'm going to need a place to hang the meat. And I'm going to need, you know, a place to keep all the banana skins that are piling up. Can you imagine all of the food that you would create if in a family that went through, let's say 15 bananas a week, all yeah. of the bacon that you could create. Right. That's, that's, yeah. Right. That's right? amazing. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to look this up like immediately as soon as we're done. <laughs> okay. Very good. And because, this, you know, that's the kind of thing, you know, when I found out that the cauliflower core and so I'll cut the core out, I'll take the leaves, all of the leaves, every single leaf that you see on that is completely edible. Chop the core up steam or nuke or braise those for a couple of minutes so that they are softer and then roast them. Mm. And then you've got this roasted cauliflower then the leaves in the core. And then you can, you know, uh, right now I've got some cabbage and roasted cauliflower that I think I'm going to have with pork. 
later on. I mean, so, you know, um, but it, it just, it changes the way that you look. When you look around the grocery store and you realize all of the things that are actually edible, avocado skins are edible. Um, yeah. Right? And so now I've got to figure out whether I'm going to use them or continue to throw away this valuable resource. Yeah. So by edible, I'm not really sure if it's like something that you want to go out of your way to eat. I right. think it just means that it's digestible. Um, survivable. Yeah. Survivable. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, oh, wow. I had never even thought about you could eat that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's crazy. That's I, crazy. I just did not think that. Um, and uh, also the, the banana thing that just is. Yeah, <laughs> I I cannot wait. To, I I just bought some bananas. I'm gonna try it uh, during the course of at, by the end of the week. Uh, these bananas should be ready to baconize. Yeah, we only have I think two left, so I don't know. Right? It'll be worth it. Um, how, also, how do you store? Do you use do you mostly use Tupperware containers for storing I your do, leftover stuff? I do. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I I wash my vegetables. I don't buy organic. I think there's a lot of greenwashing in your general, you know, uh, in the large grocery chains. You know, if I'm going to pay extra, I'm going to pay it to a guy standing on the side of the road who has no organic certification from the U.S. government. Uh, instead of paying it to Walmart uh, to have an organic sticker on a you know banana, so. You know, I'm uh, my preference would be to spend money on really high quality food that's as close to me as possible. You know, but I I still I buy bananas. You know, so uh, yeah, uh, there's, there's no bananas near me, um, and there's no blueberries near me, but uh, I do love those both. So, um, so yeah, you know, I just try to make uh, good calls on. Uh, uh, you know, I try not to be a purist about anything. Yeah, I try to be open to you know, but if I can buy a banana and eat the banana, and then happily, not just survive eating the avocado skin, but enjoy eating the banana skin. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think that's worth doing. And I think that's, you know, people are going to look at me weird, because I'm doing things that are, you know, outside the normal culture. But um, I'm going to spend less on food than they are. And that's, you know, that's going to allow me to splurge on things like octopus for my curries or you know um i have octopus in the fridge right now so nice. i've got to i got to were you able to find it were you able to find octopus fresh no not it, here in uh, okay. austin texas um it's uh i bought it along with other sushi ingredients um and i have some leftover from a class uh, so i have an arm of an octopus that i and I, I've gotten a little baby octopus, uh, octopi, um, you know, those are good too. So I, I'm always looking for the next crazy thing to cook. Nice. So that concludes part one of the conversation with Adam Wisniewski from Breakfast, Life, and Dinner. Check out next week's episode to hear part two of our conversation, which will be a speed round where... I give Adam a bunch of different ingredients to make dishes out of, and he tells me what I can make.